Hello, this is Pastor Bob Gray. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast here at Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. I trust the services will be a blessing to you. If I can do anything for you, please let me know. You can find our information on the website at ebclongview.com. Let's go right into the services of Emmanuel Baptist Church. Enjoy God's Word. Why don't you go to Judges, if you will, and and I know it's going to be a little bit different. Ushers, thank you very much. I'm going to let you have a seat, and um, we'll give away all this stuff here in just a moment. I've been trying to preach this for three weeks. and Oh, that's right, orchestra, you're still up. Sorry about that. And uh, I've been trying to preach this for three weeks, and, and I think Brother John thinks I'm a little bit uh, uh, schizo at this point because I send him my sermon titles, and, and I sent this to him three, four weeks ago, and, and then God just delayed it, and it wasn't right. It wasn't the right time. It wasn't the right time. But, but Judges chapter 3, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I do ask that you would help me on this night. My, uh, my thoughts are, are somewhat all over the page because my heart is full. And um, God, I have enjoyed singing. I have enjoyed listening to singing um, from the very first quartet, the choir, the baptism. God, I, I thank you for what you've done. And Lord, I ask that you'd help me to be very succinct in what I'm about to say. I pray that you would help me to be uh, very much in tune with thee. This truth has bubbled to the top of my spirit now three times, and I thought I was ready. Then God, you kind of delayed it, and I think that you have helped me. And God, I, I pray that our church would uh, realize what, what an opportunity that we have. Bless us now, please. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. When you come to the book of Judges, in Judges chapter 3, you're coming out of the book of Joshua. Joshua was that leader at the very beginning that he took the children of Israel into Canaan. However, Joshua, as he crossed over, Moses handed the baton, uh, handed the mantle, as they crossed over, Moses fought to get them to the land of Canaan. Joshua fought them through the land of Canaan. And there was a generation that was born to the people. There was a generation of young people that grew up in a land that had already been fought for. And they were known as the wars of Canaan. There, there was in the book of Joshua wars that took place. The, the, the wars were very historic with the falling of Jericho, the defeated Ai, only to circle the wagons, come back and defeat Ai. So, so, so the book of Joshua. And, and, and in my succinctness tonight, and you won't have to wonder where I'm going, I don't want our generation to grow up attending Emmanuel Baptist Church not knowing the wars of Canaan. I, I don't want them growing up having everything handed to them. I, I don't want them growing up not knowing what it's like and the reason for it all and the why behind it all. And in Judges chapter 3, if you'll look at verse number 1, in Judges chapter 3 and verse number 1, now these are the nations which the Lord left to prove Israel by them, even as many of Israel as had not known all the wars of Canaan. 
They now are in the history book. They now are things that they study as part of their Jewish history. They now, the cities they pass, there is the stories of, yeah, your great-grandfather, uh, even your great-great-grandfather, he walked around those walls, and those walls came down, and they were defeated here. And, but, but the Bible tells us that there arose, there came this generation that they knew not. They didn't know all the wars of Canaan. So God said this in the book of Judges, that you need to know what it's like to be conquered and then to conquer. You need to know what it's like to lose land and then to gain back the land. You and I that have lived in the wars of Canaan, you and I know what it's like to lose ground, pick ourselves up, and fight to get it back. We know what it's like to begin to lose and then we fight back. And he said this in verse number number two, only that generation of the children of Israel might know, look at this, to teach them war, at least such as before knew nothing thereof, namely five lords of the Philistines and all the Canaanites and the Sidonians and the Hivites that dwelt in Mount Lebanon from Mount Baal-Hermon unto the entering of Hamath, and they were to prove Israel by them, to know whether they would hearken unto the commandment of the Lord, which he commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. God said, I'm going to leave generations around them because they need to know what it's like to war. They need to know what it's like to take one step forward, five steps back to know what it's like to fall on their face. And this was the book of Judges. Everybody knows the book of Judges is they did good, and then they didn't do so good. And then they did good, and then they didn't do so good. And God kept bringing judges. God left the nations. God wanted them to be well-armed in the art of war. God wanted them to know what it was like to be skillful. He wanted them to know what it was like to wake up and then all of a sudden be overcome and then turn around and overcome. He wanted them to know what it was like to be conquered and then to conquer. In fact, I will tell you this, that that the fear of the young people that attend Emmanuel Baptist Church and the fear of that next generation, I'm looking at two young men in the baptistry that were running the cameras, and and, uh, I don't know where this camera guy went. He kind of took a break and probably went to eat a little bit. Ben, you're stuck, buddy. And, uh, but I look at the young men who usher and the young men that this, this next generation, and my title is very simple, Teach Them War. Teach Them War. Ladies and gentlemen, if we are not warring, then we are assimilating into the culture. Because look at verse number 6. And they took their daughters to be their wives and gave their daughters to be their sons and served their God. The same thing that happened in Judges chapter 3 will happen to this generation. And it has happened that when we don't know war, then we will absolutely give in 
to what's going on around us. And the Bible is very clear that because they didn't know war and they didn't know what war was all about, that ladies and gentlemen, guess what started to happen? They started to marry among the people of the land. They started to serve the gods of the land. And nobody, nobody, we don't want any child around here and we don't want any teenager around here and we don't want any college student around here or any young couple around here to not know war to not know what it's like to strategize and not know what it's like to say we're taking one step forward and one step back. And we want them to know when they wake up every day, we're in a war. We're in a fight. And ladies and gentlemen, the Cold War put America to sleep. But while the Cold War was going on, the Pentagon and those presidents and those cabinet leaders, when the Cold War got started, they were still on a vigil on our behalf. And where we lived in security, they were watching the radar. And we would be shocked right now if we knew how many enemy submarines made it to our coastline and they took care of the situation so our babies could be born and so our children could go to school, so we could go to work, so we could enjoy ball games and we could enjoy 4th of July while people were on the wall watching. If, if there is going to be a second generation Emmanuel Baptist Church, it will only be because the young people in this room that one day is going to run the institution. They're one day going to be our ushers. They one day will be our pastors. They one day will lead the church. We will be gone. We will be dead if the Lord tarries is coming. And this next generation need to know what it's like to step up and say, I know how to do war. I know how to get this thing done. Now, when you come to the New Testament, you're going to find out that where they fought for territory, they fought for physical land, they fought to overturn altars, they would go into a land and clear out the Sodomites. They, they would go into a land and clear out the Baal and the Baal Peor and the Ashtaroth. And they would tear down Dagon and they would tear down all these and they would conquer this land. And then all of a sudden they would be conquered and the statues would come back and the, the spiritual apostasy would come back. We don't fight for a physical piece of land. I'm not fighting for that piece of property on Texas Street. I don't fight for 2200 West Loop. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not fighting for a physical piece of land. Then what kind of war am I involved in? If you would, let's go through the New Testament, and I want you to look at a couple of, of, of verses. Let's go to Jude, Jude chapter 4. Just want to see if you're paying attention. The book of Jude, there toward the end. So now we have to establish, and listen, it is Biblical to contend and fight for the faith. It is biblical to contend and fight for the faith. I want to first establish that. Look at Jude verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that ye should earnestly, what please, contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord 
God and our, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25. I right now want to lay the foundation that we are not fighting for a piece of land. We are not contending for territory for a piece of sod in the New Testament. But we are contending. And we are contending. And we are fighting. And we are in a war. Let's not settle in on our, on, on our lees and ease in Zion. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25. It's what the book says. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we, uh, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not uncertainly. Look at this. So fight I, not as one that beateth the air. Oh, my friend, we cannot have a generation that they are shadow boxing their way through the Christian life. We cannot have a generation that they are punching at a punching bag in the gym, and that's all the war that they have. So fight I, not as one that beateth the air. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12. Look at it. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called, and professed a good profession before many witnesses. Did you see that? Fight the good fight of faith. So, so if our fight is for the faith, if we are to contend for the faith, and we are not to be shadow boxing our way through, and can I just pause and say this? That I don't want to pastor a church that we're just shadow boxing. That, that we're just going to the gym and working out. We're in a war. And this war is real. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Look at it. I have fought a what? Good fight. You're not there, but you know it, don't you? 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. I have fought a what? Good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. So fighting and contending is biblical. We're to contend for the sake of keeping the grace of God from turning into lasciviousness. We are to contend. We are to struggle. We are to fight to keep our body in subjection. We are to fight to lay hold on the eternal things and be a good witness among people. We are to fight the good fight and that our parting legacy is this. We fought the good fight. We came out bruised, we came out blackened, but we fought the good fight. So now the question is, if it is in God's nature to leave his nation in the middle of nations so they can keep their skills of war up, then where has he left us? And then what is the battleground? Where has he left us? And what is the battleground? And what are we warring for? So if we're not warring to gain territory, and we are not warring against the nations around us. So then what, why, why are we here? Where did he leave us? What are we trying to accomplish? What is the battleground that we're trying to win? I want you to look in John 17. This is the Lord's Prayer. In John 17 will answer these questions. In John chapter 17 and verse number 9, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me. This is truly the Lord's prayer. Here it is. 
And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep them through thine own name, those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. And while I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And now I come to thee. These things, have I, these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in them. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not the world. Here it is. Where did he leave us? Verse 15, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou should, shouldest keep them from the what, please? Evil. They are not of the world. Even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. That's where he left us. Now what is the war? As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Ladies and gentlemen, why did Christ come? What was his war? You know what his war was? To go to Calvary. You know what his war was? To pay for the sins of mankind. You know what his war was? Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. You know what his war was? To heal leprosy. His war was to fill the belly. His war was to prove that he was the Son of God and to go to Calvary and die on the cross and then to go to the grave and come out three days later. This was the war. And guess what? He won. And so now he's not praying that you and I should be taken out from among these nations around us and this, this darkness and this evil. But do you know what he's saying? I want you to learn war. War about what? Here it is. We are warring for the souls of men. That's our war. That's our war. We are warring so the devil doesn't get that territory. The devil is after that territory. And then once the devil loses that territory, we're still warring because now the devil wants that life. Our war is, has got to be wrapped up in this. I am warring for the souls of men and the lives of those men. I am warring for the soul of a teenager and then the life of that teenager. And ladies and gentlemen, it gets frustrating when you take two steps forward and then you take two steps back. But this is the war we're in. War's bloody. War's messy. War gets toxic. War gets challenging. War gets messy. War has problems. But if our children don't learn to war, I know what it's like to pick somebody up from church for church. I know what it's like to knock on a door. I know what it's like to go help somebody who's drunk. I know what it's like to go help somebody who just could, tried to commit suicide. I know what it's like to be there at 2 in the morning. I know what it's like to take money out of that pocket and pay a light bill. I know what it's like to try to put a marriage back together. I know what it's like. And can I ask you a question? Does the next generation being raised in this church, do they know war? I've been trying to preach this sermon for three weeks. It's like, God, I just don't, I just don't think it's time. Two Wednesday nights ago, 
probably last Wednesday night. A teenager stopped me at the altar, and, and a teenager said to me, it, it was random, I am praying, God, God, you can't teach somebody war that doesn't want to know war. Did y'all hear that? I'm a, I'm a blessed pastor right now. I'm going to tell you why I'm blessed. Do you know how many preachers right now are standing in their pulpit trying to teach war about the lives of men? And that song that Miss Jamie and Brother, uh, Brother Mark sang about this must be the place. Do you know how many pastors watch people walk out the back door and never come back because people don't care about their soul and they don't care about their life and they don't care who they are and they ignore them, they snob them? Let me tell you something. It, you're going to have to teach. But I'm sitting here going, God, I know this is the text. I know this is what you want. I know this is how this should go teenager came up to me and the teenager looked at me and just just random stop turned around said pastor can i ask you a question you hear all these stories about people in their lifetime changing people's lives and how they won thousands to the lord and they saw this happen and they saw this happen and then they said this when do we get to see it happen And I went back to my office. I said, God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Emmanuel Baptist, you listen to me. Are we just beating the air? Or are we ready to do war? Because it's coming down to that. Sitting back here, if you're okay, Joe and Julie, I'm going to kind of use you right now. You know, y'all got saved and baptized. Three months ago? About three months ago, wasn't it? It's been tough, hasn't it? In fact, uh, when we went by the house when y'all got saved, you said, man, after we got saved, it got tougher. <laughs> but Brother Miss Kennard, thank you for being in the war. Do our young people know what that's like? Have they just heard about the wars of Canaan? Or do they know the wars of Canaan? Have they just heard about somebody getting in the van and taking them to get something to eat and paying their bills and knocking on their doors and taking groceries to their house? Or have they seen let me tell you something. We won't have a next generation and churches fall off the radar when the next generation doesn't know war. And I'm telling you that the war is real and the war is on two levels. The war is for salvation and the war is for sanctification. Because not only are you fighting to help somebody get saved, and not only are you fighting to help somebody overcome addiction and overcome their life, and this is a new creature, which means it's a new set of values, and it's a new set of circumstances, and, and we're just fighting and, and, and to take these steps forward. Are you warring? Because if there is no warring for salvation, then you will not war in your sanctification. If you are not warring 
Bob Gray II stands here as a blessed man because Bob Gray Sr. warred, and he took me with him. I am well-versed in the art of war. It's like second nature. It's like you cut me, I bleed blood. That was deep. Somebody needs groceries. Let's go get it. Somebody wants you to come into their house and, and kneel. And kneel among the cockroaches. And kneel among the dirt in your $300 suit. And get on your knees. And I have seen my father get on his knees in those expensive suits. And I have seen him cockroaches running up his arms. And I've seen him just do that as he gave the gospel. And as he said, boy, go get that lawnmower and mow that yard. Boy, we got to go buy him some groceries. And son, they got no electricity. We got to go ask for some money. I've seen him go to neighbors' houses and ask for money. I've seen him not be too good to get it done. And I'm telling you, the reason I know war is because I know the wars of Canaan. I have been there when we conquered Canaan. And I am scared half to death that we are raising an entitled generation that only is the history books. They don't know war. But it's not because they don't want to know war. This is the dividing point where now I part from my brethren. I don't think our teenagers are rotten, rebellious, Satan-filled. They may be demon-possessed at times. I don't think our young people are spoiled brats with silver spoons. That's what every other church has, not our church. There's a hunger. There is a, an amazing hunger. We have ministry chapel once a week, and, 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 and this past week I, I walked in and these four boys, these four boys said, hey, we made a quartet, we can sing. They're called the Paz Quartet. Paz. P-A-A-Z. Paz. Peyton, Austin, Austin, and Zeke. They're all the same height. Short. But you know what they're doing? They're warring. Ladies and gentlemen, there's no reason to war if you have no place to take them after you war. Why war? I just want to work my job. I just want to go to my house. I just want to eat my meal. I just want to leave late for church. I want to get there five minutes late, and I want to have a seat. I want to go through the preaching. I want to go through the singing. If you'll sing my favorite hymn, then I'm going to go home, and I'll go back to my world and let the whole world die and go to hell. That may be fine because you put your time in, and I appreciate that, sir, and I appreciate that, ma'am, but your children don't know what it's like to war. And we're taking our children to a, a bed of ease. And we know what it's like to war, but don't you and I ever sell short a young person. A young person. Pastor, can I ask you a question? I hear all these stories of people getting saved and people getting lives changed. I hear, when do I get to see it? We have to teach them to war. But our war is not against people. Did you hear that? It's four people. 
Donnie, I'm going to use, Johnny, I'm going to use you. I'm just going to look at you. Johnny's here tonight. Hi, Johnny. Johnny stepped through the back. Quay, who joined this morning. Where you at, Quay? Quay brought Johnny. Robert bought Quay. And the reason he's excited and the reason his spiritual life is growing is because he's warring. When you war, there's a reason to war. When you war against the darkness of the world and you war with Jesus for the souls of men, then you war against the flesh so that your flesh can keep warring. Why do I bring this flesh under subjection? So fight I, not as one that beateth the air. And that very next verse there says, for I keep my body under subjection. Why? So I am healthy to go war. Why do they take the soldiers through boot camp? Because they need them what? Healthy to what? War. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Colton, could I use you and Micah? Would that be okay? <laughs> 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 4. Look at this. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who had chosen him to be a soldier. Come here, Dad. This is Colton and Micah around so they can see this beautiful baby step out here he must have been a beautiful baby because he sure is ugly now amen. amen let me tell you something colton is not the same colton when he came to college as the colton that is now want to know why he's warring for his baby because he wars for his baby and his wife, he now must war himself. This morning when I was preaching, I don't know what the Lord was doing in your heart, but I saw you step out as a daddy. And I saw you come kneel right down there. You want to know why? Because he has to war. You know why he has to war? I'm not single anymore. I have a wife. I have a baby. So he must war against the flesh so that he can war against the world. And what we're doing is, the reason the altars are not filled with warriors is because we're not at war. And if we're not at war, then we are intermingling with the culture of this society and we're marrying and serving the gods of this world. We're not losing. Thank you, Colton, I'm sorry. Micah probably says, Daddy, get me back to my mama, and uh, you scare me. I'm going to make a very bold statement. I do believe that we lose people to the world because the devil's real, the flesh is depraved, and the opportunities are high. But I wonder how many of the next generation that they didn't know how to war. They just didn't know how to war.
I'm not coming to you telling you what my vision is. My vision's huge. I almost put in the bulletin today, and I asked Emily to leave a, a portion of the bulletin. I said, Le- leave that panel, because I'm going to send you my vision, what God's doing on my heart. And right now on my list, there's 15 things that I'm like, man, man, God, if you would just allow us to do these things. This past week, God answered three things, and I was like, oh, oh, that got too much. But I didn't want to put in today because this is not a manipulation service. I'm just telling you that if we're not warring with the lives of people, then we have no reason to war in our sanctification. Why should I fight my flesh? Why don't I just give in to the world around us? But when we war God's way against the flesh, then what's going to happen is it's a total different way than when we war our way against the flesh. Would you go to Genesis chapter 3? Genesis chapter 2. So how do you war against the flesh? You know how you war against the flesh? You don't war against the flesh the way I would tell you to war against the flesh. Let's look at how God said it all in Genesis chapter 2. And I want you to look at this, if you will. Ready? And the Lord God, I want you to read it because I'm going to misread it and you don't want to agree with me. And the Lord God took man, Genesis 2.15. And the Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord commanded the man saying... Of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. Is that where he started? No. When God looks at the do's and don'ts, where does he start with? The do's. Do you know where he starts with? Look at all those trees you can eat from. Do you know the first thing we do when we get any type of employee handbook or we get any type of handbook? We go straight to the, how, where do I get fired at? Come on, Christian school parents. What are they going to get demerits for this year? Forget the mission statement in the front that says we want to love everybody. We want to promote Christian education. Now, that's not where we go. Let's go to the demerit thing. When we war, we're like, what can't we do? What, what, can't, what can't we do? And no wonder we're losing because we're so close to the line. We're getting shot at. And we're like Abimelech. We're being taken out. By a woman on the wall with a millstone. You're a Uriah. Put him at the forefront. But I want you to look at what God said. God said, commanded. Did you see that? And how did God look at the commands? Of every tree of the garden thou mayest. What? Liberty. <laughs> Liberty. In Christ is not how much junk you can get involved in. Liberty in Christ is how much good can you swim in. You know what God said? There's a whole bunch of trees out there. Eat any tree you want to eat, as much as you want to eat, as freely as you want to eat. 
And when people hear you preach sermons like this, they'll call you a legalist. They'll tell you that you are trying to manipulate God's people. That is so far from the truth because I follow God's view of all commands, and that is this. The commands are there to give me freedom to eat as much of the good that I want to eat and to do as much good. Hey, I can come to church as much as I want to come. I can sing as much songs about God as I want to sing. I can dress the way I want to dress to please the Lord. And then God says, oh, by the way, that one tree over there, don't touch it. But it was the tree of the what, please? Knowledge of what? Good and he said this, there are some things you don't need to know. And once you know the good and the evil, that's when you got yourself problems. So you just freely eat of all of it. Oh, my friend, are you warring? Are we warring? Have you taken your children and taught them the wars of Canaan? That little phrase, the wars of Canaan, I would encourage you. Go back and study all the wars of Canaan. Study what it took in the book of Joshua and all the battles they fought, and you will be amazed. I have a series ready to go on the wars of Canaan, and it is incredible. But the downside is there was a generation growing up that the wars were yesteryear, they weren't current. If I were to ask you, are you warring? Are you warring? This is the only, our children, our children need to know what it's like to war. Not fight with people. And every time somebody wants to draw me into a battle, it's like, why would I get involved in that skirmish when the real war is for the lives of people? So many times I want to ask somebody, who are you working with? Who are you helping right now? I had a young lady come up to me tonight he said, Pastor, when can I start discipleship? You know what she was saying? I want a war. I want to go to war. I want to get this thing done. I'm not looking at you trying to create some crazy, crazy cultish soldiers where we walk like Hitler's. Not, no, that's a bunch of junk. But there's a world out there dying, going to hell that, ladies and gentlemen, they deserve somebody that knows how to war. And our young people are ready. I'm going to end with this. Those of you who used to do it, would you help us train the next generation to do it? Because one day you won't be able to do it. One of our men told me, he said, Pastor, when I was a teenager... They stuck us with this guy that all he did was drive us around. He didn't get out. He just drove us around. And he said, go, go talk to them. He sat there and watched us talk to them. And then we'd get back in the car. God bless my mama. My brother was a teenager and the bus route came open in Tyler, Texas. And my brother was 14, 15 years of age. And I've told the story before. My mama would Put him in the car. My mama, every Saturday, with her bad health, would drive him to Tyler so he could 
war. Mm. Mm. Is your car a war wagon? Are we warring? I, I am very respectful of the family dynamics and the family times. I'm just asking God to give you a vision to say, come on, boys, come on, daughters. I'm going to teach you how to care for people, and I'm going to teach you how to war. I start laughing every time I see Rachel Painter pull up in that shuttle bus. Rachel Painter gets up. Where's she at? She gets on that shuttle bus right there. Alex crawls in with her, and, uh, and, 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 and Judith Gutierrez. Where are you at, Judith? It, it's, it's, it's like... One Saturday, I'm out, and we were picking up at a, at a home, and Brother Poncho and I went by, led these guys to the Lord. I'm standing inside a group home. I can't get these guys to come. And it's like, guys, would you come? And they were like, ah, pastor. And I said, because I can send the shuttle bus by to pick you up. Oh, no. I said, well, let me have them come by, and you can meet the ones who are going to be driving the shuttle bus. Out stepped these three beautiful young ladies. Them guys felt led to get on the shuttle bus. I'm going to tell you why. Because their mommies and daddies taught them how to war when they were young. Oh, may God speak to our hearts tonight. Taking the time to listen to the podcast of the sermons from Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. We trust that the sermons and God's word was a blessing to you and yours. Please visit us at ebclongview.com. If we can do anything for you, please let us know. Have a great day.